you guys, you're so lucky today. I am, I'm going to ditch my notes so that we can get through the text and we're going to, um, we're going to go through chapter 19, starting in verse eight. So Paul has been in Ephesus. Uh, Ephesus was this prominent city in the book of, uh, in the book of Acts, but in Asia specifically in Paul's second and third missionary journey. Uh, he loved the church in Ephesus. It had an incredible start, incredible revival happening there. Great friends and a solid church with good elders. We'll see in chapter 20, uh, we see, uh, that Ephesus would be a lasting church, a church that John the Revelator would pastor, a church that uh, St. Chrysostom would pastor, like just some just prominent great bishops would be bishops there. Um, but if, as you look at this shining city of Asia, you look at a, a city full of idolatry, just a city given over to idolatry, uh, specifically to the idolatry of uh, Diana, also known as Artemis. It was so funny. I was going to teach this text last week and uh, 745, our family had had the stomach flu. And I, a lot of times I'm like, yeah, I don't get it when the kids get it. It's just amazing. And they had had it all Saturday and I was all ready to come on Sunday and had my teaching ready. And at 745, my stomach cramped, cramped up and I couldn't stand up straight. You know, you know, when it, you're like, oh no. And, and I vomed just to be honest with you guys. And uh, so I had to call Chris and I'm like, I don't know what you've got in your reserve tank for sermons, buddy, but you're on, you know. Um, but I say that because Saturday night I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw a Jerusalem Post article. And do you mind posting, uh, putting that picture of the space shuttle up? It's actually a, a moon rocket. But NASA's Artemis One mission, Orion capsule splashes down after a moon trip. And what caught my eye about that is I'm coming in the next day to preach about a city that's given over to idolatry to the goddess Artemis, also known as Diana. Uh, she was known, I was teaching this two weeks ago in the middle school group and uh, Versailles comes up to me and goes, she wasn't just the god of sexuality, you know. You know, she's, she's like, I'm reading some novels right now and she was the huntress goddess too, you know. And so I was like, whoa, I didn't even know that, you know. And so, but Diana was known as a, a god of sensuality, a, a sexual immoral goddess. Um, and it was believed that uh, this meteorite shot out of space, hit the earth right by Ephesus, and that the, all these cult leaders took, uh, all the priests took this black meteorite and took it and believed that it had come down from, from heaven and that this was uh, basically a gift from Diana Artemis. And so they took this black meteorite and they etched and carved, and I don't mean to be graphic, but multi-breasted, okay? Um, and there's a picture that I'm going to show you later of uh, Demetrius the silversmith carving something like this. And so there was this immoral, idolatrous meteorite that shot down from heaven and, uh, and was placed in the temple to Diana, which was just so incredible, had so many big pillars, so many paintings, so many statues by the prominent sculptors of their day. One of the guys that had carved the first nude statue known to man uh, provided all the statues for this temple. And, uh, and so it's just funny as I'm getting ready to teach about the meteor that came and they did this, then we have Artemis shoot down from heaven and land in the sea, you know, as we're getting ready for it. But, um, 
But so we see that uh, great ministry has been happening there. We talked about Apollos. We talked about the 12 tepid disciples from chapter 19. Now we're going to look at uh, verse, uh, well, for today, we'll start in verse 8. And he went into the synagogues and he spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning things of the kingdom of God. But when some hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, both Jews and Greeks. And so uh, this ministry that Paul had where he went into uh, this little um, school, kind of a uh, something like the LaSalle Stewart Center or something like that, you know, that had a, a bit of a theater, perhaps. This Tyrannus was, uh, was the teacher of this place. And, uh, and Paul utilized his tent-making schedule to uh, work in the morning. And then instead of taking the normal customary nap time, which I also partake of from time to time, you know, from like uh, 11 to 4, uh, he would utilize that, those five hours in the day, for Bible college, school of ministry time. And then they'd get back after it and go back to work tent making uh, during the cool of the day to, uh, to do their, get back to work. And so there was this Bible college that was happening for years. And it says that this, you know, incredible phrase that all Asia heard the word. Now, Asia then looks different than Asia now. We've seen it on our missionary maps. It's, you know, maybe looks like the size of Spain or something like that. But uh, all of that region uh, heard the word of the Lord and heard the message of the kingdom of God. And, and so what happens when a region is impacted with the gospel like that? Well, we see a few things. You guys have heard of lions and tigers and bears, oh my. You know, I started writing out my title for the sermon. I was like, miracles, exorcisms, revival and riots, oh my. You know, uh, because it's just crazy what happens in Ephesus when Asia hears the word and begins believing says, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So while all this school of ministry time is happening, uh, man, the Lord is doing something interesting through special miracles. Luke is careful to specify that it's not just any miracle, and it's certainly not magic, but it's these special, uh, something um, unusual. Well, my text says unusual. Just these crazy things were happening through the hands of Paul, uh, that even handkerchiefs, uh, when I was growing up, my dad was a cattle rancher, a farmer, cowboy, and uh, this is back, you know, in the 80s, and he carried a hanky in his pocket. I don't know if you guys are hanky people, you know, but he had a hanky in his pocket, and he'd shake it out, and you know, and do all that, and we called it a hanky, you know, back in the day. Some of you are fancy guys that wear suits to work, and uh, well, I wear one for, you know, prestige. Well, yeah, well, we blow our boogers into it. So, um, put a little boogie in it. Uh, and so the, the handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick. Uh, the apron speaks of like a woodworker's apron. And if you know D- Dustin Cloud, he's a cabinet builder in our church. I go visit him in his shop and he wears this really cool woodworker's apron. So something like Paul would wear while he was making tents. So you've got hankies and aprons. They'd be brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. So there's something crazy that you see from time to time in the book of Matthew and you see it in Acts where 
the Lord is just so good to us to help us out and to bring these touch points to us sometimes where, um, you know, sometimes we just need a little something to bolster our faith. Uh, you know, think of the woman with the issue of blood and how she was, there were multitudes were thronging around Jesus. And she just said, man, she'd press through the crowd and press through the crowd. And she's like, if I can just reach through and do what? touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. That was her faith. That was her touch point. That was something that was like going to bolster her faith. And when she did so, Jesus didn't say, what kind of weird, you know, relic worship are you into lady? You know, he says, whoa, hold on a second, guys. Hold up. Stop the crowd. Who touched me? I felt power going forth from me. And then she says, it was me. You know, and he says, man, your faith has made you well. And so we see times like that. So we see in Acts chapter five that even the shadow of Peter passing by people would heal people, you know? And so we don't see that this is something that's regularly happens today, but there are times where, you know, we believe, for instance, that the book of James tells us that if anyone among you is sick, come to the elders and let them anoint you with oil. We believe that oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Just a moment where we laying hands on people, anointing people with oil, we kind of chime in and jump in on some of this, like little touch points of faith and practical things that help boost our faith up. And people were healed. Multiple commentaries that I read this week used the phrase that God is good enough to condescend to our level of faith, you know, and if we just need the hanky or the something that maybe that's something that he's gracious enough to give us. Isn't it easy to be critical of stuff? Oh, they, they, they brought the woodworker's apron. You know, I would totally be critical of that. Like this is pagan, you know, and uh, it's like, man, the God was good enough to condescend to our faith level. I'm going to ask for two things here. Um, I don't know. Are the lights all the way up? It seems dark in here to me today. Maybe we could turn the lights up and then do you mind turning the heat up in here? I'm a little chilly. So two things to help with us. Anybody? I'm like free. I see Laura. She's like, oh God. You thought you were nervous about the building announcement. (laughs) I'm joking. Um, And, uh, but people would uh, be healed of disease And evil spirits would go out of the sick. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now, Ephesus was known to have these magicians that would go around and to do some sort of exorcism was like one of those epitome of magic that you could do. And so the Jews were known to have some of the, you know, some special abilities with that. And they would, they would, uh, partner up with some of the pagan practices of Ephesus in that Ephesus with all of its paganism, huge magic magician sorcerer population. And they had what were called the Ephesian letters. Okay. The Ephesian letters, uh, were basically, um, forgive me. I haven't played enough dungeons and dragons, but, uh, enchantments and con, oh, contra. I don't know. There's some word that has to do with your book of magic spells. Sorry, see, sorry. I should have spent more time in the dark arts when I was growing up. No, uh, but they had these, um, 
Oh gosh, it was just the book of, it was the bibbidi-bobbidi-boos of the day, you know. And, uh, and with that, uh, it was just famous. These things would go all over the world. They were expensive. They brought in a lot of money. Some still exist to this day that, uh, that say in them uh, something about, the, about Jesus in some little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo that has to do with Jesus that maybe you'd be healed if you said this phrase just like this. So it was a common thing to kind of get your enchantments and to get these incantations was the word that I was looking for. And... Uh, and you could buy them, you could sell them, you wouldn't want to give away secrets of it or it would lose its power. And, uh, and the Jews were known to have special words, like even the name Abraham. And in these Ephesian letters that have existed over the years, there's even uh, uh, archaeological evidence that they would try to use the name like Abraham and uh, things like that to kind of spark some sort of magical boost there. And so these, there's these Jewish guys, and they're seeing that, well, man, when Paul goes around, he's having great success in healing and casting out demons and these exorcisms. And so, uh, you catch the phrase, they took it upon themselves. In, in other words, they, they went somewhere that they shouldn't have gone. It wasn't their right and they, they stepped on toes and they crossed the line and they took it upon themselves to start casting out demons. And they did it with the incantation of using the phrase Jesus as if that was the phrase to use. So they said, well, we're going to use the, the phrase Jesus. Visa, vaza, vazel, zoom, time for demon to go home, you know, or something like that. And as they're, as they're saying this, they thought that they had, you know, that they had the right catchphrase to say. Uh, and so it says, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. This seems like this is going to go well, doesn't it? Well, it says that also there were seven sons of Sceva, You've heard of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers? Well, that, this is where that movie came from, The Seven Brides for the Seven Sons of Sceva. Um, and uh, Alex, you don't have to go. I know, it's been a little lame, but just, I don't blame you. I don't, yeah, half an hour. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we love each other. That's why we know. Now, John, he's going to have words with me afterwards. But uh, So there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest who did so. Now, the language uh, and the history says that there was never a Jewish priest named Sceva. And so this was a guy that not only were they taking it among themselves the, to use the name of Jesus, this was a guy that was claiming to be uh, a priest that wasn't really a priest. It'd be like kind of the quacks today that call themselves doctor, Dr. Turlington's, you know, uh, special cough medicine. And they roll around in the wagon, you know? Uh, and, and so that's essentially what we're from the priestly family of Skiva. And we're here to cast the demons out of, you know, Elizabeth Rose, who's living in your back bedroom, you know, or something like that. Right. So now they're going to try to use this incantation and the evil spirit answered and said, oh, you got me, I'm out, you know, that's not what happens. Um, he says, ah, oh, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but just who are you? Yikes. When the demon says that to you, that is not, uh, you're not in a good place, right? It says, and then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, 
and prevailed against them. And so I'm off my notes right now, you guys, so you have to bear with me. But I've, I've always read it and just like, if I'm going fast, I'm like, oh, it was all the demons came out and then jumped on this. No, it was the dude. So the demon's talking through the dude and the dude's like, hey, you know, and leaps on these seven guys. He's taken seven of them out. And if you've heard exorcism stories, I personally know an exorcism story that happened at a Calvary chapel where there was like a Kung Fu battle match going on. And it was six to one with a demon possessed guy. It was crazy. And one of the guys was a black belt in karate. Okay. So this is something that's happening here. And this guy leaps on them. The demons leap on him through this man, jump on the guy and basically put him in a straight arm bar you know, and they're down on the ground, all seven of them, and they're tapping the ground, yelling uncle, and they got all, you know, and they're, they were overpowered. He had control over them. They were in a bind. And one of the things that it says is that, uh, they fled the house naked and wounded. So not only did he, you know, make them tap out, but he ripped all their clothes off of them in the process. Right. And so when they left, you guys, this is like, this is good. This is good Thursday night TV, right? That Ephesus hears about. And so, uh, this became known both to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So even though these guys, like they took a name that they didn't have the power to use. In fact, there's a lesson in that for us that, you know, God doesn't have grandchildren. You know, he doesn't have people who are his relatives through just vicarious living of somebody else. God has children, people that he has saved and knows by name and they know him and they're in relationship together. But there's no riding the coattails of somebody else who's done great acts of faith and riding off of their victorious Christian living in faith. There's us in the Lord and what what we've got going on in our life right now. And that doesn't mean that corporately as a body that the Lord's not moving in one person because other people are also there in the battle with them. But Jesus says, you know, this kind of demon doesn't come out, but by prayer and fasting, intimate contact with the Lord and relationship with the Lord. And these were seven sons of Sceva who were just going around making money, casting out demons and trying to use the latest bibbity bobbity boo Cinderella phrase. And they thought they'd use the name of the son of God as it. And the Lord corrected them big time. Now, that was negative for them, but it was positive for the kingdom of God because when people heard this, just an incredible phrase that uh, the Jews and the Greeks, two different people groups, the, the Jews and the Gentiles who were living in Ephesus, that fear fell on them all. The Proverbs tell us that the fear of the Lord is to hate all evil. So they, they hated the evil then, uh, and they, and it stirred up in their heart. Well, what kind of evil do I have going on in my life, man? I don't want the demon to jump on me. I see how dark has power and I want, um, man, I want to live in the light and the victory. Uh, the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified through this. It, he was honored through this. The gospel spread and was expounded. And it says that also here's part of the revival Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. And so, you guys, just to see the revival that happened, and you know what? Wherever there's a revival, 
There's a confession of sin. There's a renouncing of the sin. There's a revealing of what's been going on in the dark places of our heart. And as that happens, just the enemy loses his power. And it's such a beautiful, wonderful thing when people come to Jesus and he works in their life in such a way that they say, hey, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And so many of us who've been in in the faith for very long. We've had our, our friends get saved. I remember this girl named Angie who got saved when I was in high school. Um, she got saved in our ministry we had in Lakeview, just saved out of darkness. And it was so awesome when she was like, man, this music that I've been listening to is not good for my walk with Jesus. So she came out to our farm and we placed all of her CDs in a tree and we just started blowing them away with a shotgun, you know? And, uh, and you know, there's the equivalent of this in so many ways, but guys, when we realize who Jesus is, what he's done for us, that he loves us so much that he's died on the cross for us. And even the Buddhists know when you go to Nepal, to Tibet, where we have ministry, that all the demons that they see, like all the villages see demons. They know that there's darkness and many people are, and what they do is they build these traps in the temples to catch demons to get the demon on them that hopefully that'll be a stronger demon that can take out this other demon that's like in their kid or something. Okay, that's really going on where we go to during the year. Okay, people see this stuff. Okay, and and when we realize that G, many Buddhists are coming to Jesus because they realize that Jesus has power over demons. Okay, and so people are coming to Jesus and they realize, I got to get rid of this darkness in my life. So here we see, you know, gosh, I'm not in my notes right now. But the amount of the money that was burned, you know, worth of magic books is just insane. Something like 50,000 yearly wages, you know, uh, of the people. Just amazing, the revival to happen. But the equivalent for us today is what? I've decided to follow Jesus. There's this thing in my life that's dark and dirty and wicked and oppressive and it's keeping me in bondage. What do I need to do to get rid of this thing? Burn it, shoot it take a hammer to it, take the scissors to it, cut it off. Jesus says that it's better that you uh, gouge out your eye if your eye is causing you to sin or to chop off your hand if your hand's causing you to sin than to enter into heaven or to enter into hell uh, with both eyes. Well, at least I got both eyes, but I'm down here perishing, right? Oh, at least I got both hands, but I'm down here perishing. So what is the thing in your world that the Lord right now is like, cut it off, cancel it, Call, call today, get it canceled. Call today, switch the type of phone. Call today, end direct TV. Call today, cancel the subscription. You know, shoot it, burn it, blow it up, burn the ships, right? As Cortez said, burn the ships. Uh, and so revival's happening. And with revival comes repentance, comes the getting rid of all the dark stuff in our life. And even more revival happens It says in verse 20, the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. What happens when we follow Jesus, get rid of all the dark things and say, I've decided to follow Jesus? More revival, man. I don't even know if we're ready for it. Lord, prepare our hearts for such a revival. Guys, sorry. uh, I studied up for two weeks to get through verse 41. This is all we got today before our fireside fellowship is starting. So Johnny, where are you, Johnny? My Johnny? He's not here. He's like, I'm out. But if you're here, Johnny, come on up. Rondi. Rondi and Johnny. You guys stand with me. 
It's all right. It's the Lord that there's no Johnny because we're out of time. Lord, as we read of miracles, exorcisms, and revival, oh my. We haven't even gotten to the other crazy things that happen in Ephesus, but we see that you turn the world upside down. Really, you turn the world right side up with your power and with your might. And Lord, we know that in this room, there are people that there's some dark stuff going on. Things they've been listening to, substances they've been inhaling, gateways into just darker drugs, Lord, pharmakia, sorcery, witchcraft, all of that that drugs take us to, Lord. Pornography that's just just got people in bondage to that dopamine release and that immorality and just tethered to that internet connection and just can't break free. Just the the addiction, the bondage, the just in bondage to anger and outbursts of wrath and being abusive. Just things that come from dabbling in those dark arts, reading the horoscope and just being a part of the worldly wicked stuff that's just not for us. Leads to death leads to destruction. People are dabbling in that, even in this room. And Lord, we just pray that you would today, by your Holy Spirit, break through the darkness with the radiance of the sun. Break through the darkness. Show us how you see our sin. Work in us hearts of grief that we could repent. And Lord, bring the divine willpower to walk in that repentance. Lord, that we could cancel that subscription, cut that thing off, break up that relationship, whatever it is that's just drawing us away from you, work this kind of revival at Calvary Prineville, Lord. And we will give you all the glory. Let that holy, healthy fear fall on us where the fear of the Lord is to hate all evil. And Lord, we pray that even in Prineville at Calvary Chapel, the word of the Lord would grow and multiply. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you guys. Fireside Fellowship time's happening right now. Head on in here with us. Get a donut and some coffee and, uh, and hang out a little bit. God bless you guys. We'll see you next Sunday at Christmas service.